Want great business banking features like advanced payment processing? Whitney Bankers can help you find the right solutions for your business. Stop by one of Whitney's nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South or visit HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Here in New Orleans, we can be pretty inward-looking. We have a lot of issues that consume us, crime, education, potholes, the weather, politics, the saints, and whichever holiday is just ahead of us. But with all of that going on, plus your own daily life, it won't surprise me if what I'm going to tell you now has managed to escape your attention. Did you know that Louisiana is one of only two states in the United States where all six of North America's Class I railroads converge? Did you know we're the only state where all six railroads have direct access to the major ports? The only reason I know this is because the CEO of the World Trade Center of New Orleans, Caitlin Kane, made this information and much more available to me. Caitlin, thank you for enlightening me and uh, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here today. While Caitlin spreads New Orleans and Louisiana's name worldwide through trade missions and position papers, Jason DeRuin is also preaching the Louisiana gospel from Thibodeau with a stove and a couple of pots and a video camera. Jason calls himself the Cajun Ninja. Using Facebook and YouTube the way Emerald used the cooking channel, Jason's high-energy cooking videos have literally millions of views and hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Jason, the Cajun Ninja, welcome to Out to Lunch. Uh, it's a blessing to be here. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> now, Caitlin, it's really amazing how much of an economic engine to the United States we are here in Louisiana. In oil, gas, plastics, agriculture, manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, the list goes on. 25% of the nation's seafood is landed in Louisiana. In a country of more than 300 million people, that alone is a gigantic statistic. These statistics you've assembled are all very impressive, but none of this happens by chance. How do we get to this? Are we a state of awesomely productive hard workers? Are we the beneficiary of forward-thinking state government that artfully uses tax incentives to outmaneuver other states? As the CEO of the World Trade Center in New Orleans, how do you explain to your counterparts in other countries how we get to live in this industrial paradise? Well, I think it's an easy explanation. We're an awesome state. Oh yeah, yeah, let's go with that. We seem to be incredibly well positioned. Why don't we dominate the world? Well, it is. Our, our natural feature is the Mississippi River, and you know, New Orleans was founded on trade. Our entire history is based on trade and our relationship to the Port of New Orleans and international trade. So, you know, international trade as a key economic investment sector is crucial to the future growth uh, of the state of Louisiana. And if I was, let's say I was a, a business person, was doing pretty well here, and I thought, gee, maybe this would work internationally. Do I just show up at your doorstep? 
If you are in business and or are just interested in going global or global policy issues, international trade, the World Trade Center is a fabulous front door to help answer your questions. We're a resource provider. We act kind of similar to a small chamber of commerce for those involved in international trade, representing advocacy issues, policy issues, programmatic and technical assistance. So if you're interested in technical assistance or programmatic, you know, the World Trade Center is a place to go. And if we can't answer your questions, we have a plethora of resource providers that we can put you in touch with that can. Mystery question, who, who supports you financially? We're a membership-based organization, for the, so the, the majority of our, our finances actually come from membership. And where are you located? We're in Canal Place on the 11th floor. So you're not that, in the building that's get all the controversy next to the hill? No, no, no. That, that building is being renovated as of Four Seasons, and we are excited to see the new investment that will be made. Now, Jason, you've done a bunch of things in your career. You started out selling cars. You've been in sales, marketing, business development, mostly in and around that Homa Thibodeau area. If I was looking over your resume a year or so ago, there would be nothing to tip me off to the fact that in the middle of 2016, you would suddenly become a worldwide internet sensation. Uh, a lot of us harbor the fantasy that we're going to post something on YouTube or Facebook and it's going to go viral and we're going to be superstars, but mostly it doesn't happen. How did it happen for you? What, what's the secret? Well, I got laid off. Oh, no, that, so that's our yeah. recommendation here today. Well, uh, you know, I kind of worked for some corporate companies. and Now, uh, this was in the uh, oil field? Yes. Um, and, you know, the oil field's up and down. So uh, it, went, it went down, and unfortunately, I was one that got cut. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to have, like, a social media page. And uh, so it just felt like it was now or never, you know. So I just kind of jumped in. I started out doing funny things that I thought were comedic. I always wanted to be an entertainer. And, uh, you know few months progressed and one day I decided to cook gumbo and uh, I just did it on snapchat it was very simplistic and I, at the time I had like 400 followers and I thought eh, maybe a couple people you know they might like this posted it and uh, by the end of the week it had a million views whoa <laughs> yeah that is no I like I like the idea that what finally got you uh oh going at all this was the fact that Disney had a movie where they made a they made a gumbo and it was ridiculous ingredients like kale and then right. you stepped to the plate. I guess you could call it stepping to the plate. I don't really know. I was just kind of like at the time that was the thing. Like they were hating on the Disney video. Um, mine was pretty simplistic, but it was just chicken and sausage. But I tell you what, uh, I got a little bit of what Disney experienced because for as much people that loved it, they hated mine too. Really? <laughs> you know, what oh, were the uh, objections? The uh, ingredients? It didn't have or? okra, it didn't have shrimp, it didn't have oh, filet, it didn't have the blood of a virgin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never see that in the recipe. I mean, it was, it was all kinds of stuff. So. Wow. Now, you... Um, but you, you were a good cook to begin with. Is that why you went that way? Uh, you know, I consider myself a trial and error cook. You know, I was somebody who, uh, you know, wanted to cook when I was younger. Um, and the thing in Louisiana is, is that nobody wants to give you the recipe. You know, my mom's a great cook, and she's probably kicking herself in the butt right now that she didn't actually sit down and teach me. She's, like, giving me pointers on things. But this is the thing about Louisiana women. You had to beat the recipe out of mom? Well, so it sad. wasn't so much beating the recipe out of her. Like, she's just, she's a, Louis, she's a Louisiana mom. So it's like, hey, mom, can you tell me how to cook corn soup? And she's like, oh, I'll just make that for you. I'll just make it for you. Don't worry. Just, <laughs> just I'm going to really? cook it. Let me get this stuff. And it's like, that happened so many times. So finally, I was like, all right, I'm just going to read some books and see what I can pull off. Now, Caitlin, in terms of trade, I've always heard we were great in 
bulk carrying, but not as good, not as competitive in containers. Is that all changing? Uh, actually, the the stage of trade is, is completely changing. I think you know that we have. I think it's important to note how many actual ports we have in the state of Louisiana. Okay, because you know, I think have, people just like me, it's it's what you see from the fly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we have 33 ports deep in shallow water ports in the state of Louisiana. So we are incredibly rich on our port infrastructure, and each of those ports is very different than the other. Some are commodity based, some not so much. Port of New Orleans, looking at more steel and, and rubber opportunities and some commodities. But um, the way in which they're shipped and containerized is, 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 is kind of changing with the technology. But bulk and containerized cargo are still very popular means of, of logistical transportation. And the port's such a funny um, economic engine because, for the most part, you can't see it. It's behind that wall. It is. And, uh, and it, uh, I don't know, I guess that's, there's reasons for that, I would imagine. Right. You want to keep you know, yeah. it. <laughs> Some walls are important, right? <laughs> no, but it, it is. You know, and I think that makes it difficult to, when we talk about trade and what trade really means to the state of Louisiana, it's hard when you can't touch and feel it. So, so, so much of the work of the World Trade Center, as I like to say, is we, we need to go back to the future and really re-embrace what trade once was, a feeling of what trade was for the state of Louisiana and for New Orleans in particular. You know, we grew up around trade. All those ships would come in and they would spend weeks kind of going in through the French Quarter and downtown and this whole maritime culture evolved. And now the way in which the shipping industry is taking place, so those ships come in and they get loaded in a 24-hour system, right? So they're in and out. So the way we relate to trade, the way we touch trade, the way we just kind of interact, all those sort of faces of trade have changed through the decades. Now, there's a lot of people in the country, including the current administration, that think uh, uh, maybe globalization isn't good and we should have uh, trade barriers and things like that. I guess you are of the other side. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think a, a protection mindset it, it, you know, doesn't really do as much good when we're trying to grow our economy. And I think that's what's important for folks to realize is, is trade is about growth. It's economic opportunities for the local community as it is for the state, as it is for the country. You know, just since the, you know, the indoctrination of NAFTA over 20 years ago, our community has increased 150% as a result of free trade agreements. You know, so there's been a lot of substantial investment and a lot of growth as a result of, of FTAs in Louisiana in particular. And Jason, you have an audience, um, I think this is pretty, outside of the U.S. Oh, yeah. How did this happen? Your guess is as good as mine. I, really, I don't know what makes people say. I'm, I look all the time, where are these people coming from? But uh, yeah, I get messages from Germany, the UK, Australia, Canada, uh, Saudi Arabia. I mean, wow. Yeah. How do you, now, what do you think? Could you consult businesses on how to get high impact social media? Do you, have you learned something in that? But, or, is it, or is it just the Jason effect? <clears throat> uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of actually a guy named Gary Vee. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is his name. He's a he's a big time entrepreneur speaker, and uh, his big thing he says is uh, you know figure out your self awareness. You know what it is about you that you just love, and that you feel like you could do if you pursued it. And uh, you know my thing is just it's I feel like it's always been just entertainment. You know um, there are tons of recipes and cooks online all the time, but uh, you know. I felt like you know I would bring an entertainment value to it, and that's why like if you ever watch my videos, you'll see the way I chop onions is with my hand, and like uh, and I'll yell paya, you know. Oh, I think so, that helps. Yeah, yeah there's so, uh, you, you know, wear that hat in the videos too. Yes, it's, yes, this is my, my specialty hat here. It's a Raging Cajun hat, and it was actually given to me by the head coach of the uh, Raging Cajun football team. Uh, really funny story. Um, he was uh, doing a radio show at Walk-Ons in Lafayette, and. Um, 
I was like there to watch Thursday night football and he was playing on the thing and I was kind of like man I, I hope this doesn't last forever because I really want to watch the game you know <laughs> and then like all of a sudden I looked to my left and there he was doing the radio show and I was like holy cow this is the head coach you know at that point I'm like I went from turn it off to I'm excited it's the yeah. head coach you know <laughs> and uh, so you know he gets up from his table he's done he's heading to his family and He's looking around and nobody's even acknowledging him. And then he kind of looks at me and, and we kind of had a moment, you know, it was yeah, something he, special. You know? He mentions that whenever I speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks up to me, has a hat in hand and he says, hey, would you like this hat? And I was like, absolutely. I would have settled for a picture, you know, so. Oh. Uh, yeah. So to this day, I say this hat has magic in it and uh, I wear it <laughs> in all my videos. No, it's, you, you live kind of a funny life online. Like for instance, uh, you get a lot of viewers, subscribers, but like, have you ever been recognized? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been recognized in grocery stores, the, the line at Taco Bell, you know. Oh, yeah, so really, yeah. They, <laughs> the usual places. places, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, people, they, they, they tend to come up to me and want to take a selfie or something like that, and that's, that's a bit unusual to me. It's a little humbling, you know. I'm, I'm always gracious as much as I can be because I, I feel like I'm no different than another person. I just went viral. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, see, I didn't know you before you were viral. That would have been maybe a whole day. You know what you remind me of, though, when you're talking about whether it was the Jason effect or it was the, the cooking itself? Maybe it's more of a show like Car Talk that was a big hit on national public radio and that people listened that had no interest in maintaining their car. They just liked they just liked the host, and uh, maybe that's it. Well, that guy Gary Vee I was speaking of, he started out doing uh, what he called Wine TV, and he would just do a weekly segment talking about wine. And he developed like millions of followers, and then he grew it into uh, uh, his his media company he has, and he sells all kind of products now. He goes speaking around the world. So his his philosophy is that whatever it is you love, as long as you're passionate about it, there are people out there who want to listen to it. If you want to talk about Smurfs, <laughs> you can make seventy thousand really? a year talking about Smurfs. Which gets me to when I look you up three years from now, is that what you're going to kind of have your own Smurf show, or what do you think? Is it going to be this expanded? I don't know. I might I might lean a little bit more towards Naked and Afraid. You know. Okay, really, that's a <laughs> that's a very popular show. Jason, I've got to ask you, on other, any other show, this would be crass, but are you making any money? Uh, yeah, I'm, I started to actually uh, form a business out of it. Uh, so what I do now is uh, I, I get with people who want to sponsor a video. And I've had several now sign on. I actually got one later in the week for Rouse's uh, that I'll be doing. I formed a business. I, I have Cajun Ninja Products LLC now. I'm uh, about to come out with a t-shirt line and... Uh, you know, and hopefully buy next year a cookbook. So, oh, now that yeah. would that would be great. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Jason Deruin from Thibodeau, better known as the Cajun Ninja to millions of online viewers worldwide who watches cooking videos. And Caitlin Kane, CEO of the World Trade Center of New Orleans. And, and Caitlin, who are our competitors? Uh, is everybody a competitor? Do you kind of look at the Gulf Coast as your competitors? For trade, so much of what we do is we actually try to create a, a network of trade enthusiasts or globalists. So rather than looking at it as competitors within the trade economy, it's looking at how do we grow the pie within trade. So it's really putting trade at the forefront of what we do in economic development. And our challenge for that is kind of breaking down what does trade mean, right? Because it kind of gets back to, you know, Jason is part of the trade economy, right? He's got a global platform. He's selling his professional services all around the world to a ton of different enthusiasts. I'm sure my daughter would be one of them. <laughs> uh, and that's a face of trade, right? So this, this internet sensation on the cooking side is just as much related to international trade yeah, as a tech right. company, as a freight forwarders, as that spice company selling spices all over the world. And that's the story which we try to tell with, with the World Trade Center is why is trade so significant and what does trade look like? And, and why should we really get behind it? 
And so, Caitlin, what, what about, um, I'm, I'm very, very excited about the potential of Cuba. Are we kind of in there talking to them? Well, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're so proximate to Cuba, you know, it, it makes so much sense for us to be a, a natural trading partner with them. And uh, there's a lot of interest in continuing to trade with Cuba. Um, as you know, we're, we're operating under an embargo right now, right. but, you know, we, we still have trade with Cuba. And I think that's really important to note. We're still doing business with Cuba. We have about $1.5 billion worth of business since 2006 with Cuba. And we're continuing trying to grow that pie, grow that, that share of the trade economy with Cuba in particular sectors. And, um, you know, specifically as it relates to entrepreneurship and small business development, there are opportunities in, in that particular sector, as are with commodities and a, a number of agricultural products. Yeah, so, Miami might be closer, but we're more like them. We're a yeah. lot more like Cuba, yeah. and especially with our story. And I think that's so much of what we get to sell to, to the Cuban economy and the Cuban people is that that relationship, our culture, our history, our resilience. Even our architecture. Our architecture. Like yeah, there's a... You know, there, our, our cuisine. Is so similar to that. And we all know that food is the most important. Absolutely. That's where you make a decision. It's a common denominator. <laughs> now, Caitlin, Jason, this is the part of the show we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. Now, you can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you each have an example in your life or career where a friend has given you a great idea? Did you take their advice and, and how did it turn out? I'll start with Jason. Huh. Well, if I have to think of taking advice uh, in my life, it would probably be my dad because uh, he's always said things he wished he would have done. And I tend to like mold to what he wished he would have done and then do it. You know, like when he was young, he, or he said when he was young, he wished he bought a piece of property. So at a young age, I went out and I bought a piece of property. Uh, and then from there, I, I was cutting that grass every weekend and ended up selling it and was able to start a business, which is something he said he did. And so my wife and I, we own a couple of hair salons. And then uh, from there, uh, you know, he, he would say like, I wish I'd have bought my second house instead of my first home. So I went out and splurged a little more, bought my second house, and was able to take the money I made from that and get a, a, a nicer house, which I have my family now. So I could go on and on about what he said, but that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, my dad, Father knows best. Yeah. So I just thought this was going to turn I out. I took the same principle too and applied it to anyone older than me because I find your elders will say things they wish they had done. You know, they tend to have a grasp on on you know how to make things better because they have learned from their mistakes. So uh, I definitely listen to my elders. As an elder, that's a, a very good idea. I recommend that. The, uh, <laughs> Caitlin, what about yourself? I took the opposite approach. <laughs> I did not listen to my parents. I think the great piece of advice I received was actually right after Hurricane Katrina. I was about nine months pregnant when we evacuated at the time. And, uh, you know, timing. it's not good timing, <laughs> but um, the best advice I received right after I had my baby was from my friends that were just said, come home. So we came home, and home brand new baby, home being New Orleans. And, you know, the rest is history. This is a, a, a wonderful crucible for an urban planner and economic developer, and it has been just a wonderful home for me ever since. That's a great story. And you also, um, you know, you've been in a lot of different phases. Of it. I, I remember last time I talked to you was a Small Business Administration, for instance. And, yes. And that's all 
tied to the same thing, right? It is. It's all supporting the entrepreneurship culture and the small businesses. So, you know, my passion in, in throughout not just New Orleans, but is just small businesses like Jason, entrepreneurs that are just willing to take the risk. You know, throw caution to the wind, pursue your passion, and put a smile on somebody's face because they really believe in that crazy widget or that novel idea that they have where they're entertaining a child on how to cook from, you know, a cup in a mug for 90 seconds in the microwave. I mean, that's fabulous. <laughs> Jason, I have to ask you, you were in marketing in the oil field. What is that like? What, what, what does it take to get a man or a woman to say yes to, to a drill bit or whatever? Uh, the fact that you're not willing to accept no. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically the bottom line. The first thing you learn in sales is that uh, it takes five no's to get a yes. So when somebody says no, you know, you just, it's just not yes yet, you know. So. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what the market I want to ask you one question that I left out was um, the Panama Canal has spent a lot of money widening it. What does that mean for us? Does that make us more competitive or less competitive? As a a absolutely. Our proximity to Latin America is a great competitive advantage for Louisiana, for all of our commodities. Remember, all those commodities actually flow down the Mississippi River. You know, we process so much of those commodities through the grain elevators of the Port of South Louisiana. We ship them out through a variety of ports, including the Port of New Orleans. And our, our, our proximity to Latin America is perfect positioning for us for all of those products and those pass-throughs. Um, however, in saying that, it's incredibly important for us to remain competitive as the ships continue to get bigger and to continue to ensure that we dredge the Mississippi River to allow for the passage of, of those, big, those bigger boats. There's an old saying, the world is full of willing people, some willing to work, others willing to watch them. Uh, that used to be a put-down of people who were deemed lazy because all they want to do is watch other productive people. But these days, people who do nothing but watch are integral to the success of others who do work, like you, Jason. Uh, people who are willing to work are still the backbone of our nation, our state, and our city. And those people, along with our state and city, have a great advocate in you, Caitlin. They really do. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> this has been a really fun and informative conversation. Thank you both, Caitlin and Jason, for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure, Peter. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Caitlin Kane, CEO of the World Trade Center of New Orleans, and Jason DeRuin, the Cajun Ninja. You can find out more about Caitlin's worldwide trade and Jason's worldwide fame by following the links on our websites. It's NewOrleans.com. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellison. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music is available wherever great jazz is sold, streamed, or stolen, and at MitchellForeman.com. You can listen to the show and any past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts. If you want to know what we look like, and I think it's worth checking that out, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. 
Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. Want great business banking features like advanced payment processing? Whitney Bankers can help you find the right solutions for your business. Stop by one of Whitney's nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South or visit HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.